Welcome to the Young Man's Guide to Life podcast, where we, two young men, help you reach your full potential as a young adult. And the way that we try to do this is by calling out misconceptions about adulthood, because we think there's quite a few of them. Yes. We also try to help you learn from our mistakes. We have also a lot of those. And the best thing we do is empower young adults to take risks, to live up to their full potential. We want young people to live the best life that they can. We want you to crush it. Yeah. And you got to take risks to do that. Nobody does that by playing it safe. It's true. So that's what we do on the show. It's episode six. My name is Andrew, and uh, I am the host of this podcast, and I'm with my friend Eric, who's our co-host here. Hello. This is a Thursday afternoon. Normally, we don't record on Thursday afternoons. How do you feel about that? I, I'm feeling good today. Yeah? Yeah. It, it feels weird, to be honest. I, we always do it on Sunday. Yeah, we're used to doing the live stream Sunday we, service thing, and then we're all like eating food, and I know we come to this thing. But it was so nice of a day on Sunday that we were like, forget it. Let's get out of here. Yeah. yeah. It was really nice. Yeah. So well, we thought it was important still to make sure we had something yeah. recorded for the people who are listening and paying attention. Because there's some of you out there, and we want to thank you. We think it's awesome that you're doing that. You're, I think you're, you're part of something cool. I think you can actually help young adults by listening, help yourself, and help others by sharing some stuff. Yeah. Maybe there's something helpful. Out of all, out of six episodes, there's got to have been like one, one or two things nougat. that are a little nougat. helpful to everyone based on where they're at. That's you, our hope. What is goal. nougat? Because it's in like chocolate bars and stuff, but I've never actually, like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is either. I think it's, it's like a, some rubbery substance. Isn't it like uh, Yeah, Turkish kind of. It's like, something? yeah, maybe. Have you ever no, liked Turkish a nougat Delight bar? I feel like it's gross. I don't know. No I like it when, when they have like the, you know, when you get like the specialty chocolates and like the, the, the tray and yeah, they yeah, each yeah. have like something different. I always love the ones with nougat in them. Dude, Those we would be favorite. great friends because I avoid the ones with nougat really? in them. Really? Yeah, yeah. We're like simpatico. I look for the ones with like salted caramel yeah, or just straight like hazelnut or something like that. Not a fan of the fruity things. Yeah, the, cr- the fruit creams. Like, Garbage. does anyone actually like orange flavored chocolate? Comment in the comments if you are a fruit cream chocolate connoisseur because that's a misconception that yeah. I want to... <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, because everyone's like, oh, adults adults eat these chocolate tray Fancy things. Chocolates. You bring them to parties. Everyone likes them. Duh. You, and the reality is, no. No did, one likes them. Did I tell my iced tea story on... Your what? My iced tea story. I don't think so. From tell it. NTV Cribs. You have to tell it now. I, I think, think I might have on the, on the podcast already, but Uh-oh. that's okay. I'm famous for that. So one of my favorite life lessons is from the rapper turned actor Ice T who on his MTV Cribs episode was being taken through his house and he opens the fridge and the only thing in his fridge was a bottle of Cristal and then like six cases of YooHoo chocolate drink and uh, Smucker's Uncrustable peanut butter and jelly sandwiches (laughs) and he like like a gangster peels open uh, a Smucker's Uncrustable and he goes, you know what I found out? When you get to the top, the cheap stuff's the good stuff anyway. And he takes a bite of an Uncrustable. The cheap stuff's the good stuff anyway. Is that a pro tip? I just, it's like, it's been, it's guided me in my journey. You know what? That actually, I'm a, the, the story works perfectly. That, that is a perfect segment into today's podcast. Oh. Today's podcast, we're talking mostly about things related to money. Because if you're like us... 
you are a young adult who doesn't have much of a clue about how <laughs> money actually works. You think you do, and you don't because you never have what you think you should have. And, yeah. uh, and then, you know, you're basically just living every single week or month paycheck to paycheck, feeling broke all the time and wondering if there's an end to it. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about that. Nice. But before we get to that, I want to have a more fun conversation because we're going to talk about like the hard stuff, like actual budgeting, which is what we all need to land on. But speaking of cribs, the other day, a yeah. couple weeks ago, actually here in Ontario, we had like the biggest lotto max draw of all time. And the Lotto Max caps out at $70 million, plus they do these extra draws for like a million dollars. And so they call them these, yeah, these max draws or whatever. And so it was at $70 million plus like 49 extra draws for a million dollars. Wow. And I'm not going to lie to you. Some people freak out about gambling and stuff like that. And gambling can be terrible for you, yada, yada, yada. Can be sinful, blah, 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 blah. I bought a ticket. Just one. Just Five one? bucks. Usually I do that Our... when it gets crazy high just because it's fun. Did you win? No, I didn't win anything. But here's what happens. Here's what happens to me. I'm an eight on the Enneagram, which means lust is a big thing for me. And that means that when I buy a lottery ticket and I know what the jackpot is, the only thing I'm thinking about for a whole week beforehand is how I spend that money. And it's actually, it's fun to me, but it also distracts me from a lot of really important things because everything I'm doing, I'm filtering through that. Uh, I.e. when I'm on Instagram, like mm. if you look at my Explore page in that week, it's all mansions <laughs> or whatever or sick cars because I'm thinking yeah. this is what I'm, I'm planning out ahead what I'm going to buy with my 70 mil, which I'll never win and I'll never have. But yeah. Eric Jensen, if you won $70 million based on where you're at, not when you were 21, based on where you're at right now, how would you start spending that money? Oh. What would that look like? What would be like the give us the responsible and then the fun? Well, I mean, like, screw I the would, responsible. Just give me the fun. <laughs> give me the fun. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably. Well, see, I, I'm a little bit. I would probably give a pretty significant amount of it away, because that's. I just. It, I would. It would pain me, but I would give a bunch of it away. I'd basically make sure that my parents are taken care of, that we have a house and and stuff like that. If I was blowing money. I would probably I would buy a Lamborghini Sesto Elemento, mm. which is dope. I would buy a Triumph motorcycle because I like motorcycles. I'd buy a whole bunch of guitars, probably. My I'd have like a sick in-home studio that I'd probably never use, like a recording studio. Yeah, because I'm not that good at music or recording. But you know, is that what you, if you could if you didn't have to like if you didn't have to I mean you presumably you'd be a pastor whether you got paid to do it or not. But if you didn't. If you weren't being a pastor and you and you didn't need to earn any money, what would you spend your time ba- doing? Would it I be that like hanging out in your studio, just making? I think music? it'd be fun to have a yacht. Oh, the yeah. boat life sounds really fun to me. It does sound appealing. I don't want to ever upkeep Mar- it. What is that place where they Morocco? No, uh, what's the place? Where yeah, they all, I think that is Morocco. It. Is that it? Where they like where they all do they have the, the big yachts? Yeah, yeah, is, I think that's it. Morocco. Yeah, that doesn't sound right to me. No, it sounds right. Milan. To me. That might. I think all those places have boats and race cars. Yeah. Places I'll never be. Yeah, nobody I've ever met's been there because no one I've ever met has real money. <laughs> but $70 million is a lot of money. Like, that's crazy amounts. Of I, you money. know what? I, I would, even that amount of money, I feel like you would go through it pretty quick and you'd be like, man, it's amazing how quick you can spend $70 million. I don't think you realize how much $70 million It is a lot, is. but if you're buying a... $30 million boat. That's probably where you, that's boat. literally, that's it. I think that's where all of it would go. If yeah. you got into the boat life, 
you'd buy a boat and then you'd spend a million dollars a year to maintain that boat and then it'd be all be and gone. it's gone yeah done there we go yeah that's how I'd spend it, I guess. I've always had a dream. I have a friend named Nathan Bueller. He's an architect. He is. And he makes really cool stuff. And I've always had this dream. If I ever won a lot of money or came into a lot of money, I'd basically say, Nathan, build me a house. Here's the Here's parameters. The... You design. Yeah. And do everything that you wish you could do for all your clients that they don't let you do because they're less cool. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. That's a, that's a good tip. If you do find yourself with $70 million, call Nathan Bueller, Bueller immediately because he's a guy who I feel like would be a lot of fun to give a whole bunch of money to. To, to like build you the build sickest you the home. the coolest home ever. Yeah. Would yeah. you move from where you live now? Like, would you... Yeah. Where would you oh, move like, to? Like location? Yeah. Like... I don't know. I, I mean... Well, I'd probably have a summer home. Well, yeah. You'd have, <laughs> you'd have a cottage in Muskoka's. I, I think I would have to do something. So I think I would still basically continue doing what I'm doing now. I, it'd probably be less, it'd probably be harder to stay motivated if I'm being honest. Yeah. Because, you know, you'd wake up one day and be like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't have to deal with this. Right. And then you just walk away. Right. <laughs> but I think I would still do some sort of work like I'm doing now. I was thinking the same thing. Some people, like, they're in a career where it was, like, they, the second, if they won a lot of money, they'd be done. They'd never go back into that. And I was thinking, like, I wouldn't actually, at least when I think about it, obviously, if, if you actually had that money, you'd be making different decisions. But, like, I, w- yeah. I was, like, I would have him build a house on the escarpment, and I would stay in Milton, and I would want to continue to, like, get to know Milton and spend time in Milton and be yeah. a part of the Milton community and build up the Milton community. I feel like just being a part, like, rooted in a community. yeah. Would be. I wouldn't do like the downtown. I I wouldn't live in a city. I'd I'd go rural. I'd own a condo rural. just so I didn't have to pay for a hotel when I go down there all the yeah. time. But yeah, yeah. I was That's also I thinking car wise. I was like, man, what can what can if somebody if you won seventy million dollars, you're a pastor. What car would you drive that's still somewhat modest? Yeah, not a Sesto Elemento. Nope. No. No. I mean, I was I I looked at the the Cadillac CTS CTS. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty nice it's car. Sedan. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty reasonable. It's not flashy, flashy. No. People don't think of Cadillacs today the same way they used to think of them. No. no, I think that's a good deal. My car would be a Toyota 4Runner TDR Pro. Wow. Which is like their cool, expensive yeah. off-roading vehicle that looks like, normal, like a normal dad could actually drive it. But it's but it's dull. And it's family-oriented, but it's also like the cool outdoors guy car, yeah. even though I'm not an outdoors I guy. I like their FJ Cruiser, too. It's kind of the same You idea. like the FJ Cruiser? I, I like them... So they can be a little bit like Victoria Beckham, you know, like soccer mom, yeah. kind of ritzy soccer mom. But I like I saw one matte black with like a off-road kit, you know, big knobby tires and all that stuff. And that, that looks pretty dope. Speaking of staying local, because I, I at least I feel now I would probably want to I, like I would want community somewhere. And why would I move somewhere to have to restart with the community? Like I like the people I'm around. Um, speaking of local. One of the things I was thinking about when we thought about finance is like there's a big there's a big theme in culture. It's a good one, yeah. uh, and that's to buy local, especially now with yeah. all the COVID stuff. But even before that, it was like, wait a sec, should we be buying things locally rather than what's the globally globally <laughs> like things that are shipped yeah. in? Should we be buying Macro. things from from a stores that are local or things that are made locally and stuff like that? Why are people all about buying local? What's the, do you know what the the premise the of that is? Fixation is. Well, I think that, you know, people who, uh, it's kind of, the mega mart mentality is basically let's cut all of the overhead we can 
so that we can offer these products for as little amount of money as we can. And the problem with that is that then you, like if you are, uh, if you make shoes, everybody's buying $12 shoes from Walmart, right? and you make $200 shoes in your house, well, now you're out of work, right? Right, because no one's going to buy $200 shoes when you can get $12 shoes. Right, and so we kind of all jumped into that boat as right. a culture, and we're like, Walmart's great. And then everybody stopped making shoes. And then we're like, you know what? When we really think about it, $12 shoes suck. Yeah, they do. And so then we're like, oh, we should have bought the guy who made the shoes. Remember that guy who before, Oscar, or whatever his name was, he made great shoes. And then we, he's, he's gone. He, he does something else now because... Right. We put them out of business. So I think that the desire for local businesses to thrive is actually an appreciation for not only quality, but also the the establishment of your community. Right. So I think people feel like they're sort of giving back to their community in a way. Um, but, but in general, you know, you have artisans, you have people who are only making shoes. They're going to be really stinking good at making shoes, you know? Right. And you could probably go back to them and say, hey, there's this little defect here. There's a little thing. Can yeah. you fix it? And Can they're probably going to be it? like, yeah, because yeah. I know you and I like right. you. Economically, for those who don't understand buying local, what it does is instead of profits going into the pockets of the world market, and all, yeah. the world market, some some Investor rich hedge fund guys, is, yeah, some no. you know manufacturing you know place in China or whatever. Yeah. Like the money actually goes directly into the pocket of someone who lives in your neighborhood. Yeah. And if they have more money, they're going to spend more money. And if they're spending yeah. more money locally, that means that that money is actually going to then be transferred to somebody else locally. And then your whole community actually gets better yeah. because you're buying stuff from one another and you're making stuff for one another and the money stays within the ecosystem, I guess. And, and well... Maybe this is divergent, so you can cut me off if it mm -hmm. is. But I read an article today. I need to fact check this. That, you know, after World War II, the United States was making more things than the rest of the world combined. Which seems insane to me. Why? Well, because, like, China hadn't emerged in the production market yet. I mean, like, as they have now, obviously, mm -hmm. they've kind of taken over. But, like, it was after World War II... They the just the economy was was like booming, and they had all these factories because they had built you know tanks and stuff for, right, for right. seven years, and yeah, but that, that just was an incredible stat to me that the GDP was more than the rest of the world combined. Yeah, for that, several years that. after the world the World War Two. But it makes sense because all um, all everyone in America who has money is buying things from other Americans, so the money's staying, staying in, America, in America, and it's growing in America because yeah. other people from around the world are buying stuff from America, too. Yeah, it's just incredible. It, but is but, incredible I, but I think it, it, that's the macro scale of the idea that you're talking about, in a way, is like that, you know, if, if you buy local and they buy local and you happen to be a local business or a marketing company or whatever, that some of those things can, can thrive off of each other and... You know, in in the long run, I think that it's better uh, for us to to kind of microeconomics, uh, at least focus on it for for certain things. I think so too, and it's also there's there's an ethical component to it. Uh, people ask sometimes. Uh, we have young guys who are like, "But why is stuff so expensive if it's made in Canada?" Uh, and the reason it's so expensive is Canada has high standards for what you pay workers. And so if I'm making something for twenty dollars, yeah. and I'm you know 
make $20 an hour or whatever yeah. to make a same product that somebody in another country is paid a dollar an hour to make. Yeah. Obviously, you're able to sell it for way cheaper. Right. But what you're supporting is <laughs> a country that has much lower standards it's, for for workers, right? Yeah. And whereas we don't have that here, we have pretty yeah. high standards, which is why it's expensive. Yeah. But also... Well, and we did it. this in the West too. We 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 looked at quality of product first. Like we we sort of sold it as like uh, um, like even the the sorry the opponents of uh, sort of outsourcing and that sort of thing were like, well, the the quality of the work's not going to be as good. The problem is is that now factories around the world are cranking out really high quality stuff, right. and that now we're realizing that the reason that they could do it so cheap is because they pay people nothing yeah and then you have people who are working in factories 70 hours a week making nothing hashtag nike oh did we just say that i mean but so well but then the other Our side YouTube of the coin gonna get taken the other down. side of the coin to be fair nike's gonna come after us the other side of the coin is but if we stop buying global and start buying local then like those people who were making enough to feed their families no longer, no have, longer jobs. have jobs and so is buying global is it Thanks. actually helping people who may not be our direct neighbors but are somewhere across the world? Is it helping them? Is it hurting them? It's a tough it's thing. It's pretty complex. It's it is. a tough thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the other big thing about the, the big transition was toward, I mean, it was, we've always been consumers, but mm -hmm. hyper-materialism and consumerism, uh, we live in a day and age where we're not used to not having full access to basically almost anything we want except for a $30 million yacht <laughs> in an instance, but you right? But you have a path to a $30 million yacht. Yeah, man. Lotto Max. <laughs> Um, no, don't no. get um, Work hard. Stay work, in school. Work hard. Stay in school. Start a business or something. Yeah. Um, start a tech company. Make an app that makes fart sounds. Yeah. Have you ever downloaded an app, paid for an app that makes fart sounds? Probably. <laughs> a dollar? I mean, come on. That would be an interesting conversation. What's the, what's the most useless app you've paid for? Not free download, paid for. Another conversation for another time. I don't know where I was going. I was going somewhere. You were going the uh, path to a. We were talking about thirty million dollars oh. consumerism. Well, so we're used. So we're so used to having all these things that in most other generations they didn't have. They had to pick like an iPhone or rent for three months. You know what I mean? Or, right. or they had to pick like one, they, had a, they had one pair of shoes. You could afford one pair of shoes, and you right. wore one pair of shoes, right? And you had six outfits, right? Whereas right. we're we're used to having a billion of everything. Yeah and buying more of it that we don't need. Yeah. And the only way we can do that is if those products are cheaper. So maybe even part of it isn't just buying local, it's actually simplifying and minimizing your yeah. life and your needs and your consumerism. I don't hear many people talk about that, but I do sense it. You know, like I sense young people um, knowing qu like quality of products and responsibly resourcing. I, you hear a bit of it, I guess, but like, it, it seems to be more uh, um, approachable, I guess, or, or commonplace, you know, that people are considering those things, you know. The next generation coming up definitely is more than we were yeah. taught to, that's for sure. Yeah. Speaking of that, we were, the conversation we wanted to have today was on budgeting. We're right. Talking about buying things that you don't really need, spending money that isn't necessary to spend. The conversation we wanted to have today with young adults was budgeting. And part of that's because... I was taught some general principles of budgeting throughout my young adult years, but never really understood everything fully and got to a place where I lived out of it effectively yeah. uh, and was able to build kind of whatever wealth I could have built for myself. And so I'm 
learning from mistakes, right? And yeah. I'm 28 and, uh, and still f- trying to figure this thing out. And yeah. you are in some sense as yeah. well. Yeah. I'm but there no are expert. some. Sorry, go ahead. I just said I'm no expert. No. But there are things you know now that you didn't know at right. 21 that you wish you knew at 21. Yeah, for sure. So when we talk about budgeting, kind of the, the basic principle we're talking about is, is giving every single dollar a job. Basically knowing what dollars you have, not which ones you dream to have, not spending the $70 million lot of max that you haven't won yet that you're going to win this week, um, but actually the money that you have access to or you know for sure is coming in, basically knowing where it's going and then how much of it is left over. That's mm-hmm. kind of, that's what we are talking about when we talk about budgeting. And Eric, I wanted to ask you, because you're doing better at it than I am, as poorly as you might be doing at it, you're probably doing better than I am because we talk about yeah. this. Um, what are like three pro tips or primary principles that you think young adults, if you were 21, you would want to know from a 30-year-old who's still fighting over budgeting? Yeah, like practically or like principally? Principally. Principally, okay. We'll go to the practicals after. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so the first one I would say is um, learn. I would, I would say that it, young people to learn to be generous. And the reason that I say that is because when you start thinking of your money as not really yours alone, um, the, the cultural gravity is selfish, right? It's about you and and your hopes, dreams, goals, future, that kind of thing. The problem with that is, is that nobody gets anywhere alone, right? Mm. And the fact that all that we have is kind of in flux, okay? Money is very fluid, right? And so it's, it comes and goes and it's, it just kind of like, you know, you get a crazy paycheck and then like the next day you'll be like, where did all that money go? I, for instance, spent $2,000 today on my vehicles, right. right? And so it was money I didn't expect to, to, to spend. Um, but if you can learn to make generosity part of your habit, hmm. it reframes money uh, in, in your mind and actually in your heart, really, uh, to be more... Um, others focused and not so much on yourself because you can definitely find 12 things right now that you can't live without mm-hmm. because you're only spending your money on yourself. But if you set up principles in your life to say, okay, what am I working towards? Do I want a family in the future? Maybe I should be generous to them now, even before you have kids or, or grandkids, you know, like, like yeah, what, interesting. Like thinking about other people, not only that, but like, like local, local, like there's, there's, there's a good thing about releasing money to be used for the greater good. Hmm. And I think that it helps us to avoid greed, to be honest. And that's the sickness, I think, that really gets young people early is just feeling like they need and want and should have mm. all the time. And that uh, learning to be generous can kind of, kind of balance that out. I like that you started there because most people don't start with learning to be generous. It's like three, four, five yeah. points down. And I like that you started there. And something that no one's ever said to me that you just said that I just learned from you right now is you can actually be generous to your future self and your future family. Yeah. Like actually being responsible now is being generous to them in the future, your future goals, your future plans, but more than that, the future people that you have in your life and yeah. around you. And if you're generous to them, it means you're holding back from things now so that things are easier, better, and more sustainable for them. That's a really interesting way to think of generosity. I like that. That's, that's how money used to be thought of. Um, in the olden days, when there were very few people who had actual money beyond what they needed to survive, um, they looked at wealth as a 
generational thing. Mm. And so their target wasn't, what can I buy for Christmas this year? It was, what can I give to my great grandkids? And, you know, a land and wealth and mansion, right. you know, and, uh, you know, a, uh, a estate, you know, and that's kind of the right. whole, that was the idea. And, and the idea wasn't to spend, it was to grow, hmm. right? And, and so I think that that comes from a, a, an actually a sense of generosity hmm. rather than, and, and really that's something that you need to develop. It's a muscle that you exercise. You know, I'm actually not that inherently great at generosity. My wife is phenomenal. You know, she's like, oh, they need 300 bucks. Just give them 300 bucks. And I'm like, yeah, but we could, mm-hmm. you know, and then I get a little right. like sweaty. Right. And, and, and then she rebukes me and that's good. Yeah. So um, I'm learning that. But I think that it's, it's a skill that young people should learn early on. I like that. Yeah. So generosity, principle number two. Uh, principle number two, I, I think, is uh, learn to work hard, hmm. you know. Um, I think as as young adults, uh, we we've talked about this on the podcast before, but this sense of like delayed uh, adulthood mm-hmm. um, has kind of bred in us a laziness, to be honest with you. And I think that people don't really know how to sprint anymore, and they don't know how to put in long hours and and just do the grunt work. Um, there is this sort of entitlement philosophy that says, you know, like. I have this education and therefore I deserve this position and this paycheck and this salary and all that right. kind of stuff. And, and we get really lofty views about what we deserve, mm. right? And that we forget that, you know, you got to climb the mountain in order to get to the top. You know, like you can't, you can't just expect a quick fix and a, a neat opportunity to fall out of the sky. And like, nobody's looking for you who I'm sure you think that you're like the world, the God's gift to right. marketing or, or whatever your industry is, electrical engineering, but you're going to have to do the grunt work to get through that. Mm-hmm. It might mean taking a, it, it will mean taking an entry level job and working through a career and finding those opportunities and proving to other people that you know how to work hard. Yeah. If you do that, you're going to, you're going to find yourself in a Yeah. Really there's good enough spot. people who don't work hard that if you do work hard, people will see that yeah. and it will set you apart. Right. An example of what you're saying, actually, we were talking to our students, Maverick youth students not long ago. And one of the goals that a few of them set was to get a job. Yeah. And so I said, all right, your goal this week is to, apply for as many jobs as you can. Yeah. I taught, you know, resume, application process, yada, 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 go in there, call. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they came back and I said, did you, did you, did you apply for jobs? Did you, did you yeah. work Do at it. accomplishing <laughs> your goal? And they said, yeah, I sent my resume to Subway and I haven't heard back from them. Yeah. I'm like, Subway? Okay. And? And, and they're like, <laughs> yeah. no, just, just the Subway by yeah. my house. And it's like, the expectation really is like, yeah. well, they're going to hunt I'll me I'll give down. them a, a resume and they're obviously going to see it and call me and offer yeah. me a job because I'm great. Yeah. And there we go. Got a you, job. Yeah. I, if you don't call back on a job application, if you don't call them after you put in a job application, you're just asking them to throw it in the garbage. Yeah. If they don't know you, they don't know any, they, don't, they don't know why it. you're so special. I yeah. remember my first job, my first retail job, and I haven't worked hard since this day, but um, <laughs> uh, my That's first... That's not true. <laughs> My yes, first retail true. job was at Shoppers Drug Mart, just like Drizzy. Yeah. Started from the bottom. And uh, I applied for like 30 jobs that week. I applied to 30 different places. I went in, I did the resume, and I filled out their applications, and I did follow-up calls. Yeah. And I got two calls, one job offer, and it was Shoppers Drug Mart, nice. cashier. 
Can you imagine me being a crushing shopper yeah, cashier? Yeah, I can actually. Yeah, yeah, I know you can. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's basically that was the only job I was qualified for. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, that was it. 30, gonna... 30 resumes, and I didn't hear back from twenty eight of them. Yeah. And another one I heard back from, which would have been a way more fun job. They said, "You're not good enough." No. Well, it happens. And that's life. That's, but he, how, that's how it works. And here's, here's I want to explain a little bit why mm -hmm. learning to work hard is so important when it comes to this is because if you don't sweat for a dollar, like you're not going to understand the value of a dollar. Mm. If you, if you, like I have had jobs, like, like I worked at Kmart, right? I worked retail at Kmart and I didn't work hard at all. And so like they would ask me for overtime and I'm like, I'm going to work on overtime. Forget that. I'm going to hang out with my friends. And, you know, all this kind of like that becomes a pattern in your life mm. where you you don't really understand the value of a dollar because you really didn't work like I didn't work for the paycheck that I got. They gave me a paycheck because they needed a warm body and right. I just happened to show up. Right. And then they fired me eventually. And, you know, right. I was like, oh, I don't care. I just want to hang out with my friends <laughs> in the summer. And then, you know, but but uh, but that kind of mentality can can actually follow you for a long, long time. And if you learn to work hard now. Uh, what you'll find is that you understand what working for, you know, 15 bucks an hour feels like or, right. or 12. I don't even know what minimum wage is now. But, right. you know, back in my day, it was seven seventy five. Yeah, I mean, that makes me feel that's old. That's U.S. dollar, though, that's right? That's U.S. dollars. Yeah. But still, seven seventy five. <laughs> I started money. learning that lesson when I, um, like, did a little bit of side hustle doing mm -hmm. weddings and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, when you start charging for your own time, right? Yeah. Not when it's someone's, like, just show up and I'll pay you this exact amount per hour. doesn't matter how much work you end up getting done. Just do the few things I ask you, right? When you start actually working for yourself yeah. and putting in like your own time and also your own credibility is on the line. So you're going to work hard because you don't yeah. want to no do one a else bad is job. Yeah. 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 Um, then you start realizing the value of a dollar. And then when you yeah. do all this hard work and you only make so much and you know you can't get any more business by charging any more, then you're right. like, oh, it takes hard work it to does. make a real dollar and that actually has real value. So yeah. that's good. That's really helpful. So learn to work hard. And, and what I will tell you too is that if you learn to work hard, you'll find ways to turn your passions into productivity for mm. yourself. Like you'll, you'll find ways to engage your passions in the future because no one's passionate about Shoppers Drug Mart. Like we're not, you know, well, maybe somebody is. Yeah, I don't my know, managers like, were very passionate. <laughs> they're they're still there, by the way. They're still there. But, yeah, well, for, <laughs> yeah. For, for sure. What? Maybe that is. Maybe yeah. that's uh, that's awesome. People get people get uh, satisfaction <laughs> out of all kinds of stuff. Right. But the point is, is that if if you if you learn to work hard, that never wears off. No. Right. And so, if you w really want to do a you know a digital marketing company, and that's what you're passionate about, but you learn to work hard at Shoppers Drug Mart. When you actually have an opportunity, you can crush it. Yeah. Right. You can kick down the door and be like, "Here's what I have," because I know how to put in the long hours. Right. I know how to put on the long work, and I know the value of what I'm doing and what it's worth. And so you'll you'll have a better sense of money in general. But not only, I mean, in your career, like it's just it's, good. it's a good skill. Learn uh, tip number three. Pro tip, tip number three. Principle tip. Um, learn the art of delayed gratification. Mm. So this is a hard one. We've kind of referenced it a little bit already, but um, the idea that um, we have of fulfilling our needs as soon as they cross our mind is pretty high. Like the fact that Amazon has like a one-click buy tab is is a great marker of our yeah. need to learn this art. I did. Okay? I used that three times this week. <laughs> Things <laughs> right. I need. They, I they, they were they were essentials, which <laughs> is to. great for that. But I need yeah. to. But but that's um, you know delayed gratification. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's like. It's the ability for you to say, 
I want this, but not now. Mm. I, I want this. I'm going to buy it, but not right now. Like, it's not a smart move for me. You know, so I was I was today I was uh, showing uh, my wife guitars. I want to buy a new guitar. And, you know, it's like two, three, three thousand bucks or whatever. And, you know, we're like, oh, man, you know, like, it'd be cool if we could yeah, like, you know, buy this guitar or whatever. And I found the one that I really want, the one that I really want. And I could have bought it, you know, on credit or whatever, or I made payments or, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of thing. But it just became obvious that I needed to embrace this idea of delayed gratification, that mm. it, it, it's probably going to be a yes someday, but it's not today. Right. And in the end, I'm not going to spend more time and money and, F and hard work uh, to, to pay for something that's not actually worth it. Mm. You know, like if, if you buy something on credit and you have to make payments, they're getting interest off of like you're 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 actually spending dollars uh, that you don't need to. You're giving money to the rich yeah. guys who be own patient. all the yachts. Yeah, Just be, be patient. And sometimes, like, people get into this with, with debt, with cars, and all kinds of stuff, is that they can't handle the idea of delayed gratification, so they buy the car that they want, even though it's the car they can't afford. And then they make a bunch of payments, and then it gets repossessed in the end anyway. Mm because they default on their loan or right, whatever. Right. And so they lose the money that they gave them and the asset that they were trying to purchase. And they've lost the satisfaction of driving that asset in six months because that's how we're wired is yeah. things are way less interesting to us when we own them. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So, um, so if you can learn the art of delayed gratification to say, and, and here's a, a great, like, maybe this will segue into some practical things. Here's a, here's a great one. Um, man, when you get the Starbucks hunger, you mm. ever get the Starbucks hunger? I get it all the time. When you're driving past Starbucks and you're like, oh, I could use a ice white mocha with no mm. cream right meow. Right meow. Right meow. <laughs> right? And uh, here's, here's the great way to exercise your delayed gratification muscle. Uh, just drive past. Drive past. <laughs> but if you do that, honestly, yeah, honestly, yeah. I know it sounds True. lame, but if you can do that, um, it, it helps you in these moments where you are trying to buy the car and you're like, man, this makes really good sense. This salesman, he's really mm. good at his job. I, I, I can't do this right now. That's helpful. I'm so wait, it's not just a money thing. It's a life thing. It's a and life my, thing. So my wife, shout out to Ashton Wood. She is amazing at this. Yeah. Um, she will buy chocolate, some sort of special chocolate, and it'll be in our, it'll be in our cupboard for months. Will it have nougat in it? It will never have nougat in it. <laughs> but like mini eggs the other day, like I bought her some mini eggs for Easter, and that was weeks ago, and they really haven't been touched, or she'll have one at a time. Like she'll treat herself yeah. when she needs it, and she'll delay that gratification. Whereas I grew up, like basically if there was anything good in the house, I was, I was eating it before yeah. my brother did, because if I didn't, he was eating it, and right? right? And so I learned, eat it all really quick, enjoy the satisfaction of it, and then, well, when you want it again, you can buy it, right? Yeah. Whereas my wife's actually really good at that with those things, like with snacks and treats and stuff like that, which actually translates to money. My wife yeah. will like look at stuff and she'll be like, 
I'll be like, well, do you want that? I'll, we can get it. It's fine. She's like, no, I don't need it now. I'll wait for it to yeah. go on sale. I'm like, how could you wait for it to go on sale? Why would you buy it now and enjoy it? Get it and now. she's she's like, no. I, I, and, and then sometimes what happens a lot of times is by the time where we have the money for it, it's like, oh, I don't really need that or I've moved yeah. on for that. I'm not that interested. Or something so. better came along or yeah. whatever. So my wife's really good at that delay gratification thing. I'm not. Yeah. I'm really bad at it, and, and which actually is why I'm really bad at budgeting. Yeah. Uh, I And so what I wanted to finish off with was a few practical things, and you can add in some practical tips and stuff like that. Okay. But, but I want to finish off with a couple of practical things for people who suck at budgeting like me. Because yeah. straight up, I'm telling you honestly, we're talking about it. I suck at it. I suck at doing it well and sticking to it, which is why I think it's important to talk about so that you can start fighting for it now rather mm-hmm. than sucking at it when you have a family and more expensive things to yeah. spend on every month. But um, a couple, uh, well, I was thinking the reason I suck is because I am always spending money in my mind that I don't have yet. Yeah. And that's something that I think my personality type lends itself to well. Right. Uh, which in some ways can help you because you're planning ahead and you're strategizing, but in a lot of ways hurts you because you're constantly uh, using items you don't have yet in your mind, in your fantasy, in your dream. And you're spending money you don't have in your mind. And we're all doing this all day long. This is part of being human. Some people are better at it than others. My personality type does not help me not do that. And so I'm usually have already spent the money that I have coming in. And uh, it's the reason why I'm terrible at budgeting. And so a few things that have helped me when I'm doing this successfully. And uh, you can add to this as well. This, this thing's frozen. Oh. Your iPad Pro is frozen? What's going on here? The you th- should have delayed your gratification you know what? I and actually, bought an iPad Pro newer one. I saw the newer one, and I was like, dude, I think I need to buy that. <laughs> I got this like six months ago. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I Well, just while you're doing that, yeah. I, I'll say, too, that I, I am not that great at budgeting. Uh, I am blessed with a wife who's very, very good at mm. money things, which is nice. Um, but I have also learned a lot of lessons the hard way, um, you know, and so. Yeah, budgeting is helpful, helpful, even though we all don't like it. First practical tip, find someone in your life who has real money mm. that you know has de- like, they don't have to be wealthy, they just have real money and have, they own a home and they're relatively responsible and they're driving a car that's worth driving maybe and whatever and they, you know, find someone who knows what they're talking about with money and yeah. sit down with them and ask them to teach you and listen until you understand. One of the struggles mm. that I've had growing up is I hear a couple things, and you say a couple things to me, I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, I get that, that makes sense, yeah, I got this. Yeah. And then I take off, and I don't really fully understand how it all works. I don't fully understand how interest works. I don't fully understand how investing works. I don't fully understand how my money can actually make money when it's saved. I don't fully understand, like I, you know, I understand yeah. more now, but especially back then, I didn't understand when I was giving to a charity, like how I'd get that tax money back. <laughs> like I didn't yeah. know, I didn't know how all that worked. And yeah. so sit down with someone who you know knows what they're talking about, yeah. and have them explain these things to you. You take notes and then and then have them explain it till you understand and keep going back to them. Help have them teach you how this works. The second thing practically for me is tools. Like I tend to be good at things when I invest in a tool to do them well right. with. And so for me, pen and paper and the envelope system was not an effective tool. It isn't an effective tool because I don't live that way and it doesn't I don't function well under that. But there are Tons of other tools out there. You showed me one the other day that we used for a little bit. Yeah. Then we went to COVID and stopped using because we have the same income we had. But <laughs> we still got we still got to work yeah. through that, right? Use yeah. a tool, find a tool, and uh, and stick to a tool. And then the third thing, practically, is have somebody who knows the tools that you're using, who knows your budget, who knows what your goals are and your plans are, yeah. and ask them to 
keep you accountable to it. Mm. Like have someone who actually knows. Checks I, in. Yeah, I, I have um, one of these things I'm working on. It. Again, this COVID thing kind of halted a whole bunch of stuff, but, but I have this thing called a personal board of directors, and one of the person is a finance person. It's actually Nathan Buer, the guy we were talking about. Yo. And when this whole thing kind of works itself out, we're back to normal life, I'm actually going to be giving him the passwords to my bank account and saying, wow. I mean, I trust him. I love him. I respect him. But I'm going to give it to him and say, look, and I need And you have no this. money to steal. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so actually having outside of even our family unit, somebody who's, who knows yeah. about my finance, finances and can ask me, like, did you need that or do you need that? Yeah. Somebody who I actually have to per- ask permission to make an expensive purchase over a thousand bucks. Like, that's yeah. part of their criteria. Yeah. Accountability in it uh, keeps me from doing a bunch of dumb things like spending useless money yeah. at Starbucks or eating out or yeah. doing all this stuff that I don't need to do that is where all my money goes. So. And what's funny, like, like professional athletes and superstars, People with millions and millions of dollars have that in their life. Yeah. Actually pay somebody to manage their money like that. Like, hey, man, I want to buy this gold diamond Rolex. And they pay a guy to be like, no. No. <laughs> right. Right. That would be a great job. That would be an awesome job. You would love that job. I would, I'd be really good at that job. <laughs> no, I'm great at you, not spending money that's not other mine. Pi- yeah. Other people's money. I'm really good at telling people what not to buy. Yeah, I'm see. terrible... Yeah, I'm telling myself that. Anyway, so those are those are a couple Some of tips that have helped tips. me. Uh, practical tips. Do you have any other practical tips for our fam? I would just highlight the one that the, kind of a, conceptually the the thing you said about uh, uh, ask somebody who knows this stuff and then listen until you understand. Um, there is a pretty significant chaos factor to money, um, where people feel overwhelmed with money they maybe probably come into a situation like this with some kind of debt student loans mm-hmm. credit card debt a car payment you know that's most young adults right? right have somewhere or somewhere in there or approaching that season of their life and and it can be very complicated to to navigate those kind of uh things you know you're understanding forms and letter things with section a and all i don't know you know i don't even know what the stuff is uh but like you're you're you have to understand a lot of things about money in order to really get these concepts down but i would encourage you to press in and learn because uh that's just going to put a tool in your toolbox that is never going to not be used that's like yeah. a really handy thing to have Super it's handy like tool. knowing how to do your taxes and knowing what that stuff means and all that kind of like what investments are like n- learning just the nomenclature actually can help you greatly in understanding how totally. to 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 better your financial yeah. kind of existence that's good so um, that's probably all I would say. Hey, that was a young man's guide to life on money. We didn't guide you that well, but hopefully there's a couple things that are going to help you in your own finances, I disagree. I think we're money. geniuses. We should bottle this and sell it. The whole point of this conversation was to talk about misconceptions about adulthood and misconceptions about money in adulthood, yeah. learn from the mistakes of others, and actually encourage you to take risks. Yep. We encourage you to take risks. Yeah. So... Thanks for joining us on the Young Man's Guide to Life podcast. My name was Andrew. This is Eric. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. You know, tell your grandma. Yeah, share it with somebody if you think it's helpful. Think about your poorest friend. Share this podcast with them. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. If I get an invite to this, my own (laughs) podcast, I'm going to be upset. Anyway, all right. We'll see you guys next time on the Young Man's Guide to Life.